0: All right. Hey, Christ community, so glad you are here. Uh, All of you are here. And again, uh, like was mentioned earlier, welcome to our, our college students. You had so much value and so much life. To our church family, and uh, we love you guys, and are glad that you are here. Um, I'd love to meet you. I haven't met you yet, so I'm going to be out um, there in the kind of that gathering area. Would love to meet you after the service. So we are nearing the end of a, um, a of a teaching series. This uh, this teaching series we're in, we've been walking verse by verse through the the book of uh, Ephesians in the New Testament. We started this journey last February, uh, and are, are going to be finishing up next week. And now let me put on your radar um, the next teaching series that we're going to be starting in in, um, two weeks. This is a series that God has really laid on my heart a a couple of months ago. We're we're calling this series Still, Silencing the Noise Within. We live in a world where um, we can easily get swept up in this frantic, hectic, you know, stressful, just busy, busy way of living. Um, And what we don't realize is that when we do that, something happens to our soul. In the midst of that, we become more vulnerable to stress, anxiety, depression, discouragement, feelings of of being overwhelmed, an inability to focus. And God invites us into a different way of living, uh, experiencing a stillness of soul at the core of our being, which can dramatically impact our experience of life and peace and joy. So starting in two weeks, we're going to dive into this topic, but not just with information. We're going to be learning together some practices that can help bring stillness to our souls. So I can't wait. Okay, so today we find ourselves in in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. One verse, and yet it is a verse that is packed with life-changing power. So throughout this entire book, Paul has been talking about who we are in Christ and and, and how we can walk out our journey of following Jesus in our everyday lives. But there is one one vital element in this journey with Jesus that Paul waits until this final section to address, and that is the area of prayer. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul, who's an amazing prayer warrior, he commands us to pray. He longs for us to be people of prayer. I mean, part of the privilege and joy of being a Christ follower is having this vibrant prayer life with God. We all long for that, right? We all long for that. No matter where we're at in our, in our journey, we long for a deeper experience of prayer. But we also feel these, these realities that, that are constantly kind of pulling us away from that experience. I mean, just a little confession here. So, so last Wednesday, I had a lot to do. That's kind of my sermon prep time. And so I came in really early. I skipped exercising. I came in really, really early <clears throat> to get all the stuff done I needed to get done. And... <clears throat> And working primarily on this sermon, and, and, and so I'm, I'm walk, as I'm walking up the stairs to my office, I started to think, you know, I, could, I, I, I think I could get a lot more done if I this morning I would just skip my prayer time. So how about that for total hypocrisy, right, um, or, or irony or something? I mean, I am sitting there, literally, I'm, I'm getting ready to work on a sermon challenging our church about the importance of prayer, and I'm trying to decide if I have enough time to pray. I mean, that's just life for most all of us, right? We long to grow in prayer, but we also struggle at times in seeing that actually happen in our life. So, so I've been praying. I did end up praying that morning. Okay. Uh, so I have been praying. Really, I have been praying that this message would be an encouragement to us to continue to grow in our experience of prayer. So I want us to read Ephesians 6, verse 18, um, out loud. Let's read it out loud together, then we're going to unpack this. Um, So read this with me. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is God's Word in this one verse, Paul, in a very succinct way, gives us this powerful picture of prayer. It's like he is looking at a diamond from different vantage points. And each vantage point speaks to some of the struggles that we have in prayer. And yet, each also addresses the critical question of why pray. That is such an important question. We can talk about how to's of prayer all day long. We can talk about how-tos of prayer all day long, but a far more foundational question is why? Why invest our time in this thing called prayer? So let's see what Paul says here. The, the, The first answer to this question of why pray is that prayer is a dynamic partnership with God. Prayer is a dynamic partnership with God. One of the intuitive struggles, at least I have, and I'm sure many of us do, that that we have with prayer is that in the back of our mind, we also have this idea that God already knows what we need before we even ask. He is sovereign. He is working his purposes. So what's the point? I mean, really, what difference does prayer make? Why pray if God's going to do what he wants anyway? But that's not Paul's perspective here. We've already seen in this letter... Paul prays, I mean, writes twice in this letter, chapter 1 and then chapter 3. He, he stops in his writing to pray these amazing prayers for these people. And then in this verse, he urges us to do the same. I mean, Paul fully believed that his prayers were a vital part of what God wanted to do in these people's lives. See, and this perspective is not just Paul's perspective. This was also the perspective of Jesus. So when the disciples come to Jesus, they notice he prays a lot. So they come to Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And Jesus teaches them this amazing prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And it's it's this awesome prayer. It's it's a prayer that can really gives us this, this pattern for prayer. I've, I've used that prayer for years as a pattern in my praying, and I've, I've written about that, shared about it elsewhere, if you want more info on, on that, but, but I want to look here at the heart of this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the heart of the prayer. It's this line, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. I mean, think, what, think about what Jesus, the Son of God, is urging us to pray. Clearly, he is acknowledging that there is a discrepancy. There is a discrepancy between what is happening right now in heaven, where God's kingdom is fully manifest, and what is happening on earth where there is, there is injustice and there is conflict and there is hurt and pain and, and, and idolatry and brokenness and addiction and racism and all that. And Jesus is saying, look, I want you to pray into that discrepancy. I want you to pray your kingdom come. I want you to pray that God's kingdom, his will, his heart, will be m- fully manifest on earth right now. This is not a prayer for the second coming is not. This is a prayer where we actually partner with God to see his will done on earth in those areas that break our heart, areas that make us angry, and they ought to make us angry. We live in such a protest culture where everyone seems to be upset about about something. I'm wondering, what if we channeled our frustration and anger into prayer? Into praying for God's kingdom to come into the immigration crisis, for his kingdom to come into the opiate addiction crisis, which is destroying people, for his kingdom to come into the political, the divisive political climate in DC, for his kingdom to come into these places of injustice and racism and pain and heartache. See, our prayers matter. Our prayers help facilitate and release the activity of God's kingdom on earth. I love how one theologian put this, look at this quote, or listen to this quote. He says, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. To clasp your hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. When Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, this is what he's wanting us to step into, praying that God's rule and reign in heaven would be increasingly manifest here and now. Now, our prayers help activate that. Our prayers help activate that. In fact, I wonder, just kind of thinking, you can think along with me here, I wonder how our prayer life would be impacted if we really believed that God's hand is moved in response to our praying? If we really believe that, in fact, let me me state this even more strongly and rattle some theological cages. What if we really believed that certain things on God's heart will not happen unless we pray? I know that that raises all sorts of theological questions, but set those aside for just a moment. And think about this. Did Paul pray, in this book, did Paul pray believing that his prayers for these people would accomplish something? Did he pray believing that his prayers would accomplish something or not? Is Paul urging us to pray because our prayers actually will make a difference or not? Clearly, Paul believed that our prayers, in some mysterious way, it's beyond my understanding, but in some mysterious way, Paul clearly believed that that our prayers actually activate the work of God in the lives of the people we're praying for. Which is why he's urging us to step into this in a proactive way. Look again at what he says, verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The, the context of this verse is, is what we looked at last, last week, how we as Christ followers are in the midst of a spiritual battle, and we are to stand in the Lord's strength, and we are to put on the full armor. Well, Paul now says, hey, we're, we're, we're not in this battle alone. We're not in the battle alone. We need each other. We need the prayers of our brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, this is one thing I love about our small group is I know that when I need prayer, I can text my group, right? And I know that they're praying for me. I mean, who who is on your urgent 911 text prayer group list? You know, who do you know will pray for you? I'm not sending foreign, talking about sending 400 people and Half of them don't even know who you are. I'm not talking about that kind of a group list. I'm talking about who are those people you know when they get that text, they are on their knees. They are praying for you. And are you on anyone's list when they need prayer? Are you on anyone's group text list like that when they need prayer? And as far as I can tell, this, at least the language of Paul here, this is not an optional thing in our spiritual lives. Paul is saying that our spiritual survival depends on the vibrancy of our prayer life, not only for ourselves, but also for other people. And Jesus taught the exact same thing. Your prayers for other people matter. So why pray? Because our prayers activate and release the work of God in people's lives. We are partnering with God when we pray. Okay, second, second why of prayer. Prayer is a continual Opportunity. It's a continual opportunity. Paul says at the start of this verse, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. The other translations will say, pray at all times. Now, this word for time, this word translated time or occasion, it is the Greek word. Kairos. Now, in the Greek language, they actually had two separ- two different words for time. English only has one, but in the Greek, they had two different words for time, and they meant diff- they had different aspects of this. So, one was the word Chronos, which which referred to chronological time. Chronos. That's where we get that from. Chronological time, seconds, minutes, hours, linear time like that. But the second word for time is the word Kairos, and I love. This word, because it speaks not of chronological time, but of time as an opportunity, a kairos moment, a moment in time when you have an opportunity to pray into some situation right then. See, th- th- this idea can dramatically impact our experience of prayer. If we think of prayer only in terms of chronos time, if we only think about it in terms of chronos time, then it is limited to the time we schedule morning devotions or whatever, which is, I'm not saying anything wrong with that, but if we, well, to, if we only call it that, it's limited to that. But if we think of prayer in terms of not only Chronos but also Kairos, prayer then becomes this constant opportunity throughout our day. So we're in a conversation at work, and someone says, man, I'm really worried about my son. He's making some horrible decisions and really stressed out about that. That becomes a Kairos moment. It becomes this powerful moment where we can partner with the God of the universe on behalf of this person. And I'm not just talking about saying, hey, I'll pray for you, which we sincerely mean when we say it, but 10 minutes later, you know, do we even remember the conversation? You know, I'm sometimes in that category, so, so I, I get it. We sincerely mean it when we say it. But one way to not make a promise that you won't keep is to just stop in that moment, to stop in that moment and say to that person, say to this person, hey, could could I just pray for your son right now? I, I've been able to stop and pray. Many of you probably have as well. I've been able to stop and pray for people in the midst of conversations in grocery aisles and restaurants and parking lots and driveways and sporting events as part of just being a pastor. I guess people see me or whatever. And so that's one of the, the, the benefits, I guess, of people opening up their lives in that way. But I've been able to stop and pray in all these different places by just stepping into that Kairos moment when a need is shared and pray right then. So Raylene, uh, my wife Raylene, was um, uh, running with our dogs a couple weeks ago. And this often happens um, because our dogs are awesome. But no, it often happens. But we love our dogs. And um, someone stopped, She's running. Someone stops in her truck in the middle of the street. And she starts asking about our dogs, and so Raylene was talking about him, and, and she talked about how Robbie, our gold, our, our golden doodle, we have a mini, and then we have Robbie, and Robbie, we got Robbie for our son Josh, who has special needs, and he's kind of a therapy dog. He's very calming. He's kind of a therapy dog, and so as she was talking about Robbie and Josh, this woman began to share about her own struggles with loneliness and how life is really hard right now in her family and different things that were going on, and so Raylene. She just said, hey, could I, could I pray for you right now? They're standing in the middle of the, she's standing in the middle of the street. This truck is in the middle of the street. Um, and, and, and Raylene just reaches her hand on her shoulder and, and she, the woman said, yeah. And so she just begins praying for her right then. And when Raylene was done, she looked up and this woman is in tears. I mean, how many Kairos moments do we have in a typical day where instead of, of being stuck in Kronos time, which we often are, Gotta get to the next thing. Gotta focus on, you know, getting to that next thing. Instead of being stuck there, what if how many opportunities do we have where we we could we could stop and we could bring a person or need to our loving Father right then and there and embrace this kairos moment? I love how Paul says here in verse 18: pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. See, prayer is not a linear formula, it is not, it is a beautiful tapestry. It can be done out loud. It can be done in silence it can be done with others it can be done by ourselves it can be done in song it can be done while we're driving in our car or while we're walking up the stairs it can be it can include praise it can include thanksgiving it can include forgiveness asking forgiveness it can include forgiving someone who hurt us it can include silence where we listen it can include bold audacious requests for god to move it can include prayers for healing it can include our imagination where god gives us pictures it is this wonderful beautiful divine tapestry of experiences. And I wonder sometimes if we struggle to pray because we have in our mind a singular view of what prayer must look like. Oh, it looks like that in so-and-so's life, so it must look like that in my life. But maybe what works for other people doesn't really fit your schedule, your personality, or whatever. Be you in your prayer be you explore discover what kinds of prayers energize and work for you and then go for it go for it now a couple of resources if you are interested in kind of some hows of prayer some books two books I, that I found so helpful um, one is called A Praying Life by Paul Miller fantastic book so if you're wanting something just how can I grow in this and then the other one is called Moving Mountains by John Eldridge which just talks about the varying kinds of prayer and it's just it's fantastic as well okay there's one more dimension of prayer Paul highlights in this passage, and this is huge. This is huge when it comes to this question of why pray, and that is that prayer is a relational experience. It's a relational experience. I, I think three of the most important words in verse 18 are right at the start, in the spirit. Paul writes, and pray in the The Spirit on all occasions. So, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? What Paul is describing is this intimate, personal experience with the Spirit of God in all of our praying. Prayer is this very relational activity. I mean, think about what makes a relationship work. It's it's what makes a relationship, and it's it's the heart, right? I can read a book about someone, I can know all sorts of information about someone, but that doesn't mean that I know them personally. To be in a relationship is to experience a heart connection where we open our heart to this person and they open their heart to, to us. You see here, I believe, I believe that the essence of the of the spiritual life, boiling it all down, the essence of, of the spiritual life is living with a heart that is open and accessible to God, constantly. I think that's the essence of the spiritual life. It's living with a heart that is open and accessible to God. And prayer then becomes this incredible, real-time opportunity to open our heart to the Holy Spirit. No hiding, no pretending. We give him real-time access to our heart. The anger, the joy, the sadness, the insecurity, the worry, I mean, there's an entire book of the Bible. It's one of the largest, longest books of the Bible, certainly, and that's the book of Psalms. Psalms is basically a prayer book. It's a book showing us how to pray in the Spirit, even though they didn't experience the Spirit the same way we do in the the, the Old Testament as the New. But, but, But still, even with that, the Psalms show us this beautiful picture of experiencing life in God's presence. So opening our heart to Him right now. 65 of the 150 Psalms, or 150 prayers, 150 Psalms, 65 of them are known as laments. Laments. What that means is a lament is that in a lament, the psalmist is just expressing their heartache and their pain and their struggle. That's like 43% of the book of Psalms. To pray in the spirit is to open our heart to God and be, be real with him. But it's not only that, it's allowing then him to be real with us, allowing him to open his heart to us and actually speak to us. See, for years in my own spiritual life, prayer, was, it was just this one-way data dump. It was just one-way data sharing event. I just shared my requests, I shared my lists, to God. And honestly, it it, it began to feel a lot more like duty than than anything. But but over a period of time, I began to realize that God's Spirit wants to speak to me as well. And that began this journey for Raylene and I and for this church. We're we're on this journey together, a journey that we're still on, where we're learning how to hear the Spirit speak to us. I would never want to go back. I I would never want to go back. Yeah, it's mysterious, and sometimes I don't hear anything, and it's complicated. All this, I get it all. I would never want to go back. It's like a world of gray became filled with color and life in terms of my experience and relationship with God. For me, just to realize, God doesn't want a monologue of prayer from me. He wants a dialogue. He wants a relationship where I speak to him, and he speaks to me through his spirit and his word. So one of my favorite verses in this regard It's been so transformative for me. It's in Romans 8, verses 14 to 16. And I'm going to read this, and I want you to look at this. Look at how Paul describes the Spirit's activity. He's talking about the Holy Spirit's activity in his prayer life. Look at this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him, the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. He's continually whispering to my spirit that I'm God's child. See, this is praying in the Spirit. That's praying in the Spirit. I love that passage. I long to grow in this experience of the Spirit filling my prayer life, so that I am led by Him. It's like verse fourteen. I'm led by Him. And, 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 and the spirit within me is stirring this Abba, Papa, Daddy cry to God, my Father. He's stirring that. And, and he's whispering to me. He's testifying with my spirit, with my spirit, you're mine. I love you. You're my child. See, to pray in the spirit is to open our heart to God when we pray so that our prayers for ourselves and for others are saturated in this ocean of relationship with God. They're just saturated in this ocean of relationship. So the other day I was praying for someone um, with this little uh, practice that I've been doing recently. We're gonna, we're gonna practice this a little in, in, in a few minutes. I was praying for someone. I was going through a really hard time. And I, as I was praying, I saw a picture of, of them doubled over in just grief. And in this picture, I saw Jesus just wrapping his arms of love around them. He was just like with them in it. He wasn't like, come on, get out of that. No, he was just with them. With them in it. His arms are wrapped around this person, loving them and just holding them in their grief. It was like the Spirit wanted to give me a picture of Jesus heart for them to help me pray for them a the picture's worth a thousand words that picture was so I can't forget it it's so pow- it was so powerful and it moved me to pray to know how to pray for them now i realize i realize for some of us we may feel uncomfortable this may be outside the box from from your own experience i totally get that but i would i would just i would encourage you to explore this whole area of listening The Spirit speak to you in prayer. This is not a substitute for the Bible. It's not, the Bible is our foundation, it's our authority. What this is, what I'm talking about here, it's what it is, it's a living out of the kind of relationship the Bible describes. It's a living out of the kind of relationship that page after page after page the Bible actually describes and invites us into. Where the spirit becomes this vital part of our experience of prayer. Now, I share a lot more about my own journey in this area in, in, um, in a book I wrote. The whole purpose of writing this book was like, I just want people who are kind of nervous about the whole Holy Spirit thing to be able to wade in without being weird, just wade in to a deeper experience of the Spirit. It's called More. Uh, many of you are, fam- you know, just we did it as a church and all that stuff. I'm just mentioning if you're, you're new here, because in that book, I spend four chapters just talking about how we can grow in hearing the Spirit's voice. And for me, it was, it was a journey because I could not figure out what, uh, why am I not hearing all that. So four chapters talk about that. You can get it on Amazon, get it on Kindle, uh, our church, in um, our church library as well. We have multiple copies. Now, here, here's the deal. I, I, I want you to know, I'm not just talking about prayer because this happened to be, we were in this, week, this verse this week, and so, oh, let's just talk about prayer. This is, this is something that God has been stirring in my heart personally, recently, personally and for our church. And let me tell you, while we have a wonderful, amazing prayer ministry that happens around here, I just long for more. More of Jesus, more of his presence, more of his power in our lives and in our community. And I feel like, this is what's stirring in me, I feel like prayer is a key part of that happening in our midst. It's a key part of that. I was just thinking earlier today about Acts chapter 1, right? The Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts chapter 2. What are the believers doing in Acts chapter 1? They're just praying. They're praying together. There's something about our prayers that I think open this door for God to do even more in our midst. I just feel like a prayer is a key part of that happening. And honestly, I really feel like this is a great time of year to be talking about this. Because for most of us here, this really is the start of a new season. Summer's coming to a close, right? We're back in our more regular routine or perhaps a new routine if you're a freshman at UNC or whatever, but what an opportune time right now, right now, what an opportune time to kind of evaluate our prayer life. No condemnation, no guilt here. This is just for all of us to evaluate our prayer life and and say yes to God's invitation to partner with him in prayer. And to look for kairos moments to pray. And more than anything else, to open our heart afresh to the spirit of God in our prayer lives. What an ideal opportune time to do that. So let's, let's pray. So Father, thank you, thank you uh, for the incredible privilege of partnering with you in prayer for ourselves, for others, and for our world. We want to grow in this amazing experience. Help us do that. So you can just keep your head bowed. Um, But here at Christ Community, we're all about response. This is why most of our singing is done after the message. We we, we don't want to just hear a teaching and then leave. We, We want to give space to respond to God and to practice what we're learning. Give space and margin to do that. So I want to lead you in an experience of prayer where you can pray for another person in your life. And in this experience, we're going we're gonna to just in, in kind of a practical way allow the Holy Spirit to be a part of this. I think you'll find this exercise helpful in, in praying for another person. I have. Um, it's often referred to as praying the room praying the room. We're gonna, and we're going to engage our imaginations a bit. So let me just keep, you keep your eyes closed. But I just want to say a word about this. Because Let me just remind all of us, our imaginations are a gift from God. They're not evil. They're not new age. They are a gift from God. Our brains are wired for not only data, but for images and pictures. God made them that way. If I, if I say, think of someone you love, what comes to your mind? A picture, not a paragraph. If I say, think of a a memory from your childhood, what comes to your mind? A picture, not a paragraph. God made our brains not only for data, but for images. And here's what's so cool about this. We can use our imagination to help us pray in the spirit. We can use our imagination to pray biblical truth. So let's embrace our imagination, not be afraid of it, Let's embrace it. Let's let it help us grow in our experiencing of biblical truth. It's a powerful tool God's given us. Okay, so there's no pressure at all. If you're not comfortable, no worries. But if you're comfortable doing this, it's a simple exercise, but I want to encourage you to get your eyes are closed, and I want you to just take a moment and just imagine yourself in a peaceful room, wherever that is for you. It could be your office. It could be a, another place, but it's a room that you're in, and it's a peaceful place for you. And Lord, I just want to pray your peace over our minds and our hearts right now. Jesus, just your peace over our minds and hearts. Okay, so you're in this room in your imagination. Now I want you to think of someone in your life, someone you know, maybe it's a married couple, but you want to pray for them right now. They're just on your heart to pray for. You know they're struggling with something. They're going through a hard time. It's someone you care about, and you want to pray for them, okay? So think about that person. Who they, just think about them. Okay, now you have that person in your mind. What I want you to do, I want you to imagine that person walks into this room. They, They walk into this room, and they're standing there in front of you. Now imagine Jesus coming into the room and ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you want to do for this person? He may want to give them something. He may want to show them something. He may want to do something with them or whatever. But Jesus, what do you want to do to this person? And as that is unfolding in your mind, just pray into that. Quietly, just pray into that. Imagine him ministering to them and pray into that right now. So Lord, thank you for this simple tool, this sim- our imagination. But we're imagining your heart. Thank you for the privilege of praying for this person. To pray your heart for this person. And that's not the only way to pray for someone. it's just one simple way I didn't connect with you, no worries. There are so many different ways to pray for people. But I wanted us to experience together a way we can pray in the spirit. We're praying God's leading for a person in our lives. So what we wanna do now, um, we just wanna create this space here. Whatever God is stirring in your heart, maybe there's something in this message, maybe it's praying for another person, maybe it's praying for a need that you have, Maybe something is stirring in your heart. The Holy Spirit is stirring. And we just want to give you some room here to do that. You can just remain seated for now, the next few minutes. We do have a prayer team available at the back of the room, the prayer stations at any time during worship, during this prayer time or during worship. You can go back there. There there are places to kneel around the room. Stairs over to my right and left. Or kneel in your own chair there. But we're going to just have some time to pray here quietly and then the worship team in a couple minutes is going to just continue to lead us in this response. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Just continue to help us pray in your presence.